Well, as you're grabbing your seat, grab your Bible and turn to Philippians chapter 1. Boy, I tell you, it's been just a great weekend. Friday, we had our first uh, Harvest U Indy West Campus class, and we just had a great turnout, a great spirit. Just for those of you who were there, you know what I'm talking about. God has spoken. God has spoken. And, uh, yeah. And then last night, we had the Caribbean cookout. That was a blast. Just a blast. And then to top it all off, this morning, we get to enjoy Hans Stonehouse giving announcements for the first time ever. Truly the hardest ministry on a Sunday. It is. Man, what a great time of singing. Uh, It's all about Christ, right? Philippians chapter 1, we're in verses 27 to 30. The last verses in chapter 1. This text is really important, so I want to take a couple minutes and highlight a couple things about it. Number one, just look at it. You see a paragraph there, and it's not a really long paragraph, but it's also not a really short paragraph. We could just say it's your typical paragraph in length. Uh, Just so as you look at that, you understand one of the things is Paul, when he wrote that, this was all one Greek sentence in this paragraph. Only reason I bring that up is for this. That means that this paragraph is definitely a unit of thought, okay? And so when something's in a sentence, we don't grab a part out of a sentence and take it and and run with it somewhere else. It's, It's a unit of thought together, So it's one sentence. Secondly, this sentence, verses 27 to 30, is just key. It is a pivotal point for the entire rest of this letter, which really is saying it's a pivotal point for the entire next couple months for us as we study through the rest of the letter. What ends up happening here is what we've been studying so far up through verse 26 Paul's emphasis is very autobiographical. In other words, he's telling about his circumstances. He's telling about his context. He's writing to the church in Philippi, and he's interacting with them, but he's bringing in so much of what's happening to him, and we've been studying through that, and it's just been uh, rich and a delight to do that. But Paul is making a shift now. He's moving from autobiographical emphasis. Really, he's moving into Paul the discipler emphasis, and now he's beginning to teach, okay? So there's just a little bit of a movement here in what happens. Uh, We get in the rest of the letter. Paul is now in teaching mode of what's taking place. The third thing outside of its one sentence, it's a key sentence, is it has an opening clause in this sentence that is just, one, a delight, and two, really important. And so this morning, we're going to be spending, uh, so that you understand our flow and time as you look at your watch, we are spending the vast majority of our time on the first clause and then the first half of this. In the end, we're just going to kind of make a comment and we're going to leave that on a cutting floor someday. We'll come back, pick the rest up because the beginning part of this is just so important. This opening clause really sets the tone through chapter two for us. Okay, kind of with me a little bit, set the ground there. We're ready to get rolling. Well, let's start with a clause here, verse 27. Now, in your Bible, except if you have a New International Version, I love the New International Version, but I just want to hold on this for a second. It, what's the, if you do not have, or if you have anything but the New NIV, what's the first word? Only. Only, okay? Now, the New International Version starts with what, 
whatever happens. It loses a little bit of emphasis. That's why I hold off. I'm going to flow here because we're going to do Yoda talk today in this first clause. In other words, what we're going to cover here isn't exactly what you have in your Bible. We're going to follow the exact Greek word flow here for the first little bit. And the first word that comes up here is only. Now, one of the things about this is that in this word only, um, it means only. It means alone. It's kind of like one thing. Let me help also add to this. It's the first word in this pretty long sentence. It was a common thing in Greek that they would use it, not all the time, that's not every sentence, but they could use the beginning part of a sentence for emphasis. In other words, if there was a really important word or a really important little cluster of words, they would put them at the very beginning of the sentence. It's kind of like an adding an exclamation point, and that's how they would do it. And so this clause is at the beginning, and the first word that's coming here is only. The reason I'm kind of making a big deal out of that is Paul is now making a shift, and he's making a shift that's pretty abruptly by the use of this word. It's kind of like, hey, only, okay? He's jumping full feet into what he's about to talk with here. It's one thing. It's not a thing. It's the thing, all right? Only one thing. How many things is only referring to? One. Okay? So our first word is only. Uh, the second word following in a, in a Yoda talk, Greek language talk here, and you'll see why I say Yoda because the verb's at the end. Uh, secondly, it's worthily. Well, we don't use this word very often. It's kind of a fun word to say. It feels, frankly, a little bit manly, or it feels a little bit like uh, uh, old English. But say it with me. Worthily. And one more time with a little bit of like, huh, worthily. That's an impressive word, isn't it? Just go home today and go, worthily. Maybe not with that. That sounded not quite right there. First two words, preach. Listen to me. Only, oh, by the way, who's he talking to here? He is writing to a local church. He's writing to believers in a city. He's talking to a local church. And he says this, local church, only worthily. Only worthily. I think those are two really cool sounding words as you get started here. Uh, Only worthily of what? Uh, Well, let's hold here on this worthily moment just for word for a moment here. What's this word talking about? It's something that fits. It's something that matches with something. It's something that fits the value. Let's think about that for a moment. Things that fit the value. Experiences have a value. Opportunities have a value. Things have a value. The reality is, is that an experience like last night at the the thing, there was an auction and and one of the things that came up with Colts tickets. Some people can get totally jazzed up about that experience and it's like a high value, putting a high value on that. Others are like, (laughs) watch on TV, you can get right right there in their face. Uh, Others are like, who cares? There's various levels of value. So when we talk here, we're talking about 
one thing worthily, only worthily fit the value. Well, what's the value? The value here is the gospel. Okay, as you look in your text, you see the gospel is used in here. So literally, it would be only worthily of the gospel. Uh, This word for gospel, this is the fourth time Paul has used it so far in the first chapter. He's about to use it one more time at the end of verse 27. Five times Paul uses this word in the first chapter, the gospel. Now, understand this, that at the time, the word gospel in Greek was used for all kinds of things. It had a generic use. It was referring to some kind of body of good news. That's good news. We could say that's gospel news. Good news. It's a body of information. It's kind of the title of what actually it's always actually referring to. Like here's some examples. Maybe back in that day they would be, hey, I've got some gospel news. We've got a new king in town. Uh, Especially if you had a bad king before. Or it could be this. I've got some gospel news. There's peace. The war is over. That's gospel news. Generic sense. Another would be, is like what's like been going crazy on around here, it could be this. Gospel news. Another baby's born. That's good news. By the way, probably next week, another baby will be born. That's good news. A generic term, gospel news is good news. So here's the question. It says, only worthily, one thing, only worthily of the gospel. Uh, But the text goes on to clarify what is this body of good news that Paul is specifically referring to. The answer is this, of the Christ news. It's only worthily of the gospel of the Christ. There's a definite article before Christ. Uh, By the way, two things with that. Number one, uh, if you're newer to the Bible, and I mean this seriously, if you're newer to the Bible, the word Christ is not Jesus's last name. It's a title, okay? And so what is happening here is, and it's not just talking about a Christ. It's, well, let's talk about Christ here. What does that mean? It's really referring to the entire Old Testament. It's really, especially for a Jew at the time, they knew this this word had just tons of meaning behind it. You could go all the way back to Genesis 2, Genesis 3, and Christ is tied all the way to the beginning. The Christ. You follow all the way through the Old Testament. They're looking forward to the Messiah, the one who would come, the one of God that is going to come, the Redeemer. That's the Christ. The whole Old Testament is talking about this. And Paul is talking about, hey, only worthily of the gospel of the Christ. In other words, not a Christ, not like one of 16 who fit that mix, but there's only one, the Christ. So he's talking about, let's just make sure we are all on the same page in understanding the gospel of the Christ. Ephesians chapter 2. Go to the left in your Bible a couple pages. It's just two, three pages over. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 10. I want to take a couple minutes here. Verses 1 through 10, for me personally, and this church has heard a couple times in the last few years me talk on this text, I think for me is the best summation of the gospel in the Bible because it gets at details that are so important. So I want to just kind of walk us through this. I don't know if you remember a couple years ago, we talked about an area in this room over here. Does anybody remember what this was? (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. Uh, People remember. How encouraging. Okay, 
This, is the, this, is, this was the pit of doom and despair. Look in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. The first words that are stated there are, it says, some bad news. It says, and you were dead. Now, that's interesting because Paul is writing to living people. He's writing to redeemed people in Christ, by the way. And he's saying, and you were dead. In other words, it fits with Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And as you look at those first three words of the text there, it talks about, it says, and you were dead, all of us. Everyone starts over here in the pit of doom and despair because of sin. Now in there, what I love about those first three verses, I don't love, but what's so important, I should say, about those first three verses is it clarifies what's going on here. Uh, we're dead, but what it's talking about, it has things in there. It's, it's clearly giving the understanding of the text that it's not like I was chucked here, I didn't deserve to be here, or I got like a really rinked up deal, and it's like, this is so not fair. Or it's like, even this, it's not saying, I don't want to be here, but I got stuck here. It's actually saying this, and you all, me all, We start out in the reality that we are dead and we deserve it. And actually in the text, it talks about how we are presently continuously living in it and loving it. That's what it talks about. We are in the inside of the dome cheering on what's going on. We're not on the outside of the dome going, how did I end up here? We're a part of it. This is not a good situation. Not a good situation because as you can see in the text there, it says that you are literally a son or daughter of disobedience. You are an heir of Satan himself. I get no thrill out of saying that because that applies, has applied to me as well. You see, but this, if you don't understand verses one through three in Ephesians chapter two, you really will never understand what comes next. You will never understand how great it is. If you don't understand capital S, capital I, capital N sin reality. You will never understand big G, big R, big A, big C, big E grace reality. And so we understand the big reality of this. In other words, it's like, I'm stuck here. I have no hope. Help! In fact, in the whole help thing, I don't even yell for that on my own. But look at verse four, the first two words. These are marvelous words. When you understand this condition, the first two words are what? But God. (laughs) You see, in our condition, in my condition, in your condition, the fact of the reality is I can't save myself. I can't do anything about it. But a gracious, loving God, not because I deserve to, but in his grace, he decided to be able to do something about my problem. He decided to do for me what I could not do for myself. And so the second person of the Trinity comes and lives a life, perfect, sinless life. God in the flesh dies on the cross, paying the payment for my sin and my condition, rises from the dead. And as the Bible says, as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, By grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. By the way, in that gift, that gift doesn't become yours until you receive it. But it's available. 
Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you staked the ground? Said, listen, I want out of that. And by the way, look at the text in there when it's talking after verse 4. It talks about when we receive Christ as our Savior, when we receive that gift, it talks about how you were made alive. You were made alive and you were seated with. You were placed in. And you now have become a redeemed child of God. From that to this. That's the gospel. That's what's taking place. Now, in light of the gospel, let me say this. In light of that, to redeemed in Christ, having received Christ as my Savior, now placed over here, alive in Christ. Oh, my word, I don't deserve this. Now, look at this. Only worthily of the gospel of the Christ. Only worthily. Hey, to live over here and to live like that, what's with that? That doesn't make any sense, doesn't it? It doesn't fit the value. Now for the last word in the text, because it's really important and brings all this together, or the last word, I'm sorry, in this clause, it is this. It is the verb. This is the Yoda moment. You must all be living. So here we go. Only worthily of the gospel of the Christ, you must all be living. Now, why do I bring it translated in that way? Because of this. Number one, it's a plural form. Understand that this verb is not talking to one person. It's a plural. It's talking to a group of people. And who are the group of people? The group of people in the text are believers in Christ, the local church in Philippi. This is talking about a church, a local church. And it's saying in here, you all, Philippians faith family, I'm talking about a people, I'm talking to a community, I'm not talking to one person, although a community is comprised of one person. So it applies to both, but it's also imperative. In other words, it's saying you must, it's not a request. Paul is not saying, hey, I've got an idea here that would really be nice. Hey, by the way, for my birthday, I'd really like this. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is making a command here. He's giving a directive. He's saying, listen, you all, Philippians church, you must do something. What must we do? Oh, yeah. Only worthily of the gospel of Christ, you all must live. Oh, in the last part of that verb, it's present continuous. In other words, it means all the time. It's not something that I did in the past. It's not talking about an action in the future. It's talking about right now, and 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 then after that, and then after that, presently, continuously, all the time. One thing, fit the value, which really means live the value. Hey, friends, Paul is saying one thing if you've been redeemed in Christ. Live the value. Live the reality. Don't just know about it. Live it. You must. Question. 
How are you doing with that, friend? Are you living the transferred reality? Are you living it literally as a citizen of heaven? Here now? Let me say it this way. Live who you are. I don't mean who you are here. I'm talking about this. We're to live who we are here. Let me put it this way. Live whose you are. Live whose you are. How you doing? Only worthily. It's just one thing. I love one things. One things are so easy because I have a hard time bringing everything to one thing. And I so admire it when people can bring things to one thing. But I love one things because it's just like, oh, so that's the thing. I can do that. You know, it's kind of, by the way, it's kind of like a, a Wii versus PS2 or Xbox. I cannot stand the Xbox. I uh, love you guys if you love that. I cannot stand PS2. And you want to know why? Because of the blasted controller that they use. I'm an old guy. And it's got way too many buttons. But I will tell you this. I love the Wii. I love the Wii. And the reason is, is because it's just like, just do one thing. This. Okay, hold the one button. Just the one button. That's all you got to do, Dad. You know, my son and I, we were playing years ago when he was in high school, some mass murder game, you know, Xbox kind of thing. And I had the gun and I'm stuck in the corner. I could not get out of the corner for my life. (laughs) Why? Way too many buttons. And he just laughed at me. And watch me get pummeled. (laughs) And it hurts to this day. So I love one things. Hey, one thing. Only worthily of the gospel of the Christ, you all must be living. One thing. I just want to pause right now before we go any further. Let me just pray for us. Hey, God, I just pray. This is such an important clause here. And I just pray we'd humble ourselves before you. And we would just consider our own lives. Lord, for those who are redeemed in Christ, thank you. Transferred. Pulled out, made alive, seated. Oh my. Thank you. Lord, maybe someone right now is just wondering, as we went through what the redeemed means, that just the, I'm not sure really where I am. I would just pray you'd even be using this time in their hearts that maybe today they need to just grab the friend who they came with or after the service, come down and just ask one of the people that are down to pray or to talk about that. But Lord, you've provided the transfer and redeeming answer to our problem. Thank you. And Lord, I pray that we would live it. Not perfect. We don't want to play a game with you. But we do want to do this. We want to live only worthily increasingly so. Help us to be hearers of the word, 
Help us to be doers of the word as well. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, let's keep going. That's our first clause. So how do we live that? That's the question. It's like, whoa, Doug, okay, maybe big challenge there, but how do I live that? How do we live that? Because it's in the context of the church. What does that look like to be able to be living that way? Well, let's do that because here's what's so cool in the text. The next two words, actually, I got the English Standard Version, is so that. In other words, there's results out of this. In other words, so that something takes place. Uh, uh, So that what? So Paul's talking about so that whether I uh, uh, come and see you or I'm absent, because he's not fully sure. He really thinks he's going to come and see them. But it's like, listen, if I come and see you, church, local church, if I come and able to, or if I'm not and I'm able to hear about you, he's saying, I want to be able to hear three things about you. So here's the deal. I like simple So we've got three actions that Paul wants to see or hear of these people. There are three traits. How many? Three. Okay, let's, let me start verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Covered that. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you. Covered that. That you are one standing firm in one spirit. And two, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And three, not frightened in anything by your opponent. So here's the three things. Standing firm, striving side by side, and not frightened. Now, let me say those differently here. Stand firm, side by side, not frightened. I just say it that way because, I don't know, I think those words just feel manly. Okay, there's, there's a tone to that. Ladies, hang with me, okay? But there's just a tone to that where it's just like, no wussies allowed, okay? This is not Wimpville. This is talking about standing firm side by side. And here's part of the problem in this theater. I love this theater, what we have, because we've got the biggest communion cup holders in the area. And on top of that, we have this big screen, and the screen really can help us to be able to have a fit. And I love the screen from the standpoint with what teaches right now is we're one, but yet many stripes, many colors, but one. But it also doesn't kind of help give the manly feel out of this. So we've got a different slide. Let's take a look at this. All right. I'm feeling more manly. Now, it comes out a little bit darker than what it did on my laptop, so it's a little bit hard to see everything. But here are these Roman soldiers. Actually, I think this came from the 300 movie. Here are these soldiers here with these shields, and they've got their spears. And then they've got the helmets on, and they've got the the red cloaks, and they all have like the most unbelievable six-pack abs you've ever seen in your life, by the way. (laughs) You can't see that in here. Um, But I also just want to note on their faces, this guy over here, again, it's kind of dark. If you all want to come up here, we can look at the screen and you can see it better. But And then the next face, they're all up there. I just kind of want to say this to it. This helps us set a tone and a feel for what's going on. But these guys are not like, and I'm not doing this like we're haters of others. We are lovers of something of great value. That's what's going on here. It's protecting. Something is being attacked. Something is at the place of potentially be taking away of great value. And I just want to let you know, no way over my dead body will you take that away. 
That's what's going on. All right? In light of that, how's the local church supposed to look? Standing firm, number one. As you look at the text of the standing firm, by the way, it's in this form where it's a continuous, act, continuous action. It's not something you did in the past. It's something, again, like I talked with the other words, something to be happening all the time. Continuously standing firm. It's not wimpy standing. It's not dozing standing. It's not a junior high, I think I have a girlfriend standing. Okay? This is standing firm, covering ground. It, it literally, this word was used talking about soldiers defending something. Why would Paul pull that out? Because that was what he wanted to have the idea understood. The Philippians were under Roman rule. They were Romans. They understood this. They understood that word and what it meant. And they knew that this word carried this idea of stand firm like that. Okay? By the way, notice in the text it says then uh, in one spirit. Now, this is an interesting thing. Um, because it puts us at a, uh, a little bit of a quandary in how do we understand the word spirit. Uh, in the Bible, uh, the word pneuma, it's not an O-O, not like the guy on the YouTube thing, um, other things. But it, it's the word pneuma, when it was there, you did not know if it was talking about, I'll say, horizontal spirit or vertical spirit. Let me clarify in other words, the context would tell if the word was referring to kind of camaraderie spirit, the, the horizontal side of it, the, the, the man to man, woman to man, the kind of, in essence, you got to be of, they have to be of one spirit together to be able to be like that, right? Okay, that's, that's clearly one of the ways to understand the word and it makes sense and it fits. But the text also could be understood if you were to go, and this is how it just works with the word pneuma, you have to ask, is that talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, the capital S Spirit? Now, I realize in all your Bibles, it's a small s. And so most, I'm just going to tell you, I'm a little bit on the minority side. This is just me here. Uh, I'm not making a big deal out of it. I don't know exactly what Paul was saying, but I also want to say this as well. I think it makes sense as well as a capital S Spirit. Because in all of this, there is no way that people who have been redeemed from over there, people who have been redeemed, can be able to be like that for the gospel without the work of the Holy Spirit happening among us. There's no way it could happen. In other words, it's not by our strength. It's by God's strength being used through us. So which one is Paul referring to? I don't know. Could be either one. Most say small s. I say capital S. Uh, just because there's only one other time the exact form is used and it's used in Ephesians and it goes to the capital S. But I just want to tell you, I'm not making a big deal about this. I'm just saying this. It could be both. But if we do know this, we're to be standing firm. Standing firm. How are we to be standing? Firm. 
Second thing, standing firm, number two, end of verse 27, striving side by side. This word's used only two times in the Bible and both times in Philippians. This is the first one. I only mention that because when we get to chapter four, we'll come back to this word again. I love this word side by side. We've used it a lot around here at this church. Life on life, side by side. It means closely linked, but that's only part of what this word actually means. It means closely linked to another in an activity. And the activity that the word was generally used with most of the time had to do with some kind of effort activity, toil activity, opponent activity. In other words, it was side by side against an opponent kind of an idea. Notice in the text it says one mind side by side striving. I do like the way the international version has it. It says one man contending. That's kind of cool. That really kind of fits with it. It's like all of them are functioning like one. One. They're all functioning like one person. Listen, one goes weak, all are affected. But they're functioning as one. Uh, for what purpose? I mean, why are they all linked together, striving side by side? Well, they're linked together, look at the text, for the faith of the gospel. In other words, they're not doing this struggle for nothing. We're not doing this struggle just because that would be cute or because that would be fun or that would give us warm, fuzzy feelings, that we're like all one together. I mean, you know, we can do that at a school. You can do that on a football team. You can do that at work. But this is for something different than that. This is about the gospel. Oh, what's the gospel? Remember all this? Remember all this? I'm totally willing to look like a fool today. But you remember all this? Stand firm side by side protecting that reality. The truth of that? Listen. That truth is valuable. It is eternal. It is the only hope that we or the world have. And church, protect that. Stand firm side by side for the faith of the gospel. It's that big of a deal. It's that big of a deal. Oh, by the way, just think about this. Standing alone Bink, you are a pushover. We in America nowadays really embrace a, I am a Christian army of one. I hate that statement, an army of one. Are you kidding me? Well, then let's just send one person over there and let's see what happens. That's not the case at all. One person alone, you can be taken out so easily because you have a whole world that opposes you. It's not an army of one believer. I just want to challenge you. If you think that the Christian life is just about you and Jesus living it out, whatever, I'm just going to tell you straight up, straight up, that's not the gospel. You are part of a family. And you cannot stand firm in that. Your theology will just get swayed and pushed all on your own without others linked around, helping to keep it straight on course, straight up. You will not be able to stand firm alone. 
I will not be able to. And that's why the picture Paul is giving here is like this. Linked. Chicking. Arm in arm. Standing firm. A group of people standing firm on the word of God truth. I want to tell you something. Hard to push over. Certainly harder to push over. Side by side. Standing firm. Well, let's hit the third thing. Not frightened. (laughs) What does that mean? Well, not frightened. Or it could mean this. Another way, it's not intimidated. Believers that stand firm together, there's far less likelihood to be intimidated. But a believer standing alone, life is a fearful thing. I'm not talking marriage. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking believers standing firm, side by side, linked together. When that is really happening, I want to tell you, life is much less intimidating because we've got each other's back. Do understand the Philippians were experiencing opposition. (laughs) Paul was in jail for the gospel. We don't live in a world here right now where we have martyrdom, jail for the gospel kind of life. We may someday. But we kind of have a different tone and I want to make sure that we understand we do have opposition Uh, Do you remember a couple weeks ago we watched the video on Scott with Camp Harvest? And Scott was just like Camp Harvest, having a group of Christians come in and being able to do ministry in this area and up in Michigan. It's like, no way, not in my backyard. Opposition, but we saw just the work of God through that whole situation. Let me just show you one other one here. I think this really sums it up. This is... Opposition, I think, summing up the reality of our world around us in a recent blog says this. Hello and welcome to a new day on planet Earth. Just another day where nature is in charge and the superstitions of backwards thinking humans mean nothing. In the news today, look around. (laughs) This is kind of funny. Red-faced people with frowns. They're the Christians who did not get raptured today. Remember that? Just last month? You should find them wandering aimlessly as they have no plans for the rest of their lives. I'm really sorry that you are not in heaven today. But then again, if you did think that the rapture was going to happen and that the rest of us were going to burn in a lake of fire for all eternity, then you are all real jerks. Maybe the world would be a better place if you were raptured. Hey, here's an idea. (laughs) Why don't all the Christians just build a great big giant spark spaceship and blast to the moon to wait for God there? Then the rest of us who are actually concerned about our planet and actually concerned about the future of our species and have evolved beyond the potential for foolish superstition can move forward without having to deal with you crazies. 
Even if there were a God, which there is not, the world would be a better place without him. So please, pray harder. Get your God to come here and get you all off our stinking planet. The gospel is foolishness to the world. We've been called, we've been commanded to one thing. One thing. Live the value. That means we must be a standing firm together people for the gospel. That means we need to be in arm's length, one-to-one, side-by-side, to be able to do that. As one, not intimidated, because our king does reign. As friends, I just this is why we make such a big deal here about being a discipleship driven, life on life, side by side, going vertical together, small group church. So that we can actually get to a place where we're not just talking nice thoughts, but we're doing life on life. Side by side. And we live in a culture, a Christian, American culture that has a low priority on that. Just give me the information and leave me alone. Christian life was never designed to be a life lived alone. Proverbs 18.1 Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Can you just see in this picture now? Someone, you know what? You guys stink. You know what? We hang together. We live together. You eat too much food. You stole my Twinkies last night. You know what? I just want to do this on my own. And one breaks out. Dink. You're going down. But instead, the picture that Paul gives here is one thing. One thing. How many? One thing. Only worthily of the gospel of the Christ, we must all be living. Linked together, standing firm, not frightened. I didn't even have time to get to the rest of the text, but let me tell you this. You read the next rest of the sentence, and it basically says this. When we live that way, people who are without Christ come to understand they're without Christ. And people who are with Christ and live this way, guess what? They come to understand that, oh my word, I am saved. And out of all that, God's glorified. Because his people are standing firm, arm in arm, linked together. All right, now I want to finish off and risk it. Everybody stand. I'd like for everybody to stand. All right, 
side aisles, okay? You have a statement to say today, and it is this, only worthily, okay? Just try it with me. Only worthily. Okay, now you're on your own. Say it. Okay, two suggestions. Men, I'd like for you to get a little bit more manly. Women, I'd like for you to get a little bit more womanly. And I would like for you to do this. Only worthily. See this? That just adds to it. Okay, ready? Practice. Oh, I'm feeling it. We've set the inside to be up really successful here in this. Now, the inside, what do you think you're going to say? Okay, but you're not going to say it like that. Okay? So uh, here's how this is going to go. I'm going to start, and I'm going to go one thing. And then the aisles, you're going to say yours. And then the center, you're going to respond. And we're going to do this three times before we pray. And let's let God hear us. Hey, harvest faith family, one thing, only worthy, live the values, one thing, only worthy, live the values, listen, one, one thing, only worthy, live the values, Lord God, I pray that what we say would be and become an increasing reality here. God, I don't want to be that kind of church that just is kind of like, well, that was cute or that was goofy, whatever. God, we want to be the kind of church that studies the word to live the word. Because as we talked last week, your word is for thinking people. And God, as we think and we ponder and we grasp this passage, I am just so encouraged that you make things so simple for us. You help us out with simplicity and you let us know there's just one thing. And that means we're to be living worthily of what has taken place in our life. That transferred reality would show, oh God, it would show at school. It would show at work. It would show in our homes. It would show on Friday night and Saturday night. And it would show on Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening and for the rest of this coming week. Oh God, may we be a people that seriously are really getting into this link together, standing firm, only worthily for you. Father, I pray if there's anyone in here who doesn't know what it is to have a personal relationship with you through Christ, Oh, God, I pray that they would just have the guts to be able to ask. Find a hope. And, Lord, I pray for those of us who are redeemed in Christ, that, God, if we've not been living worthily, I pray today would be a knees day before you. And we would confess and repent. And the grace that allowed us to be saved by you is the same grace that continues to hold us in you and to forgive. God, if we're alone or Christian, I pray this text would help us see the challenge. I realize it's risky linking arms with people. But here's the deal. You've commanded it. 
May we be a link together for real, loving on one another, helping each other out, picking each other up, encouraging one another, standing in line, shoulder to shoulder, got each other's backs, protecting the gospel of the Christ. In your name we pray.